I think he's rubbish, and Benny's just exposed himself as an absolute idiot for this question. Hello and welcome to episode one of season five of Three Amigos. We are gearing up for the 2021-22 season, which kicks off next week. Things will be a little bit different this season, as you might have noticed, as our partner in crime, Don, has gone into a well-deserved retirement from podcasting and production. But don't worry, we're still here to chat FPL each week with you. I'm Kylie, your host for today. And what I lack in the form of Don's deep and soothing tones, I believe I make up for with excessively long vowel sounds and wine consumption. I'm joined, as always, by my amigos, Mars and PJ. So tell me, guys, how's the break been? And welcome back. What's happening? Yeah, it's going to be a little bit weird without Don, but um, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll make it work. And uh, like you said, what we... Uh, uh, miss with Don will will make up with with either me uh, talking uh, absolute rubbish, uh, ranting, or uh, with your wine. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's been a good summer. Been a, a really good summer. I've uh, didn't come home, but I absolutely love the Euros, and I absolutely love the Olympics. I'm just watching as much as I can uh, before before it finishes, and then we, we're lucky straight into the football. So, uh, Phil, what about you? Yeah, it's been um, well, obviously a kind of a kind of curious summer, highs and lows, as freedom has finally been, um, you know, kind of revealed to us once more. I'm personally, obviously, kind of delighted to, much as I'm sad to obviously see Don take what I hope will only be a short term kind of retirement, is that I am able to drop that awkward fourth amigo tag that I was unable to shed towards the end of last season and hopefully now will become more accepted with our wider listeners as one of the three. But I am very much looking forward to a new season for the uh, simple fact that it's not last season, which was uh, obviously a disaster for me and, you know, somebody else on this pod, given inexplicably I managed to not come last with the three people that I'm recording with. But Anyway, um, Kylie, back over to you, and uh, let's see what we've got lined up for today. I'm just so delighted you could slide that in there. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Emil, for that. I didn't have a great season, but I did have a great summer, and it's all starting afresh, so we will see who who comes out uh, top of the Amigos this season. But it's a long one ahead. So... To kick us off, as always, we're going to come to Mars for his rant. It's a while since he's heard one, and usually he's only ranting after about a week's worth of material. He's now had an entire summer to prep for this moment, so who knows what he has up his sleeve. Over to you, Mars. Oh, yeah, it's three months. Is it, has it been three months full of full, full of uh, rants already? Uh, uh, I mean, look, as soon as... FBL hadn't even finished, people started ramming down the Euro fantasy stuff. Fine if you want to play it, but like, I don't, you know, take a break. Mentally, I needed a break. And then it wasn't even July, and we started with drafts, and the game dropped too early. And then people started with draft, and now people are complaining because there's signings. Oh no, your team is not locked. Are you, are you for real? Like, and then, and then you get rate my team. Mate, seriously, people are rating your team only to look 
and justify their picks. So if they have Bruno and you don't, they're going to say it's a crap team. If you both have Bruno, they're going to say it's a good team. That's how it works. People just want to justify their picks. They, are, they don't really care about your team. Let's be honest. Um, yeah, it's going to be a long one. Twitter's going to make me laugh. Sometimes going to make me angry. I'm going to try and be more zen. But let's see how it goes. Mars out. We enjoy when you keep the zen to a relative minimum, I have to say, Mars. You know, we, we always need food for your rant, ranty thoughts uh, on any given week. Um, but now that now that you've got that out of the way, it's time for us to move on to our roundtable. Uh, and here we're just going to double a little bit in some fixture chat and then run a cursory eye over some of the players that are standing out to us in relevant positions for better or, or worse, as, as may be in some cases. Um, so, yeah, so in, in terms of the, the fixture ticker for the, the run of the season, there's certainly a few teams that would have caught the eye of managers when it comes to building that initial spine to get you started for, for the early days, uh, in, in this season. I mean, much, of course, when we, when we look at fixtures in this period depends on, on when you're going to wildcard. If indeed you are the kind of manager, as many are, that identifies a particular period in the schedule that, that suits them. Others may just go with the flow and, and see how it goes. But, um, yeah, there's a few that have a good sort of three weeks and then a few that have a good well, maybe first eight weeks. Uh, so bear that in mind when you're considering how you shape your team. But to kick us off, the, the first one that I'd like to touch on is um, Manchester United. So, as you'll all be aware, no doubt, they don't play a top eight team from last season anyway until game week eight when they play Leicester. At that point, their fixtures turn a bit sour and they've got some games against City, Liverpool, Spurs. But before that period, they've got a really clear run, starting with the likes of Leeds, Southampton, Wolves, Newcastle, West Ham and Villa, to name a few. So, obviously, a lot of those players were in the Euros. There's been some injury questions and issues. Um, and, and then, of course, there was a sudden outbreak of COVID, though I don't believe in the first team. So, there's a few things to keep an eye on there, but certainly uh, they have the fixtures to facilitate some decent points. The other, I guess, premium team that's that's really relevant for us is Liverpool. They have a great start as well. First six weeks uh, before their game week seven match against City look really good. And, of course, the, the interesting piece here is uh, Salah captaincy is going to be popular for game week one. They play Norwich again. So they started the season in 2019, 2020. I believe, when Norwich was, was last in the Premier League and they beat them 4-1 on that occasion. So maybe we'll have a, a repeat of that. They've then got Burnley, Chelsea, Leeds, Crystal Palace and Brentford afterwards. So those are kind of our premium ones with really good fixtures. Kylie, then, before, yeah. before, Kylie before you carry on, just, just the, I'm going to drop a stat for you or, or, or a fact. Please do. In, in, in the season that Liverpool won the league, Origi scored our first preseason goal and we played Norwich first game of the season. This season, Origi scored our first league goal, uh, the preseason goal, and we play Norwich. It's coming home. Did, did, Don, did Don drive and, you to put that in? 
No. That makes it more concerning. Does this mean question then? Because I vividly recall having Van Dyke in my team at the start of that season. And yeah. uh, he he's obviously got a header. Scored a goal. So, yeah, he's got a header. I mean, maybe Assisted I by Trent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was great because I had Salah, Trent and Big Verge. That's when we all went double up at the start of the season. Um, yeah, fond, fond memories. Um, so, there we go, listeners. Maybe maybe you should factor that in. Um, we have a bunch of other teams that have decent fixtures as well. They're kind of the source of your mid-priced options. That's Everton, Leicester, Brighton, West Ham, and Villa. But for Villa, it's really those first three fixtures. With They've all got really viable picks, although admittedly there's some injuries to Leicester now. Bafana has uh, a leg break, um, and he would have been a popular Twitter template pick, really. Um, there's obviously been a managerial change for Everton and some major squad changes for, for Villa with the realish news that was confirmed only this evening, his move to City, um, which we all saw coming. And then obviously there's a bunch of um, new players brought in. So some things to factor in there. I mean, I guess, are there any others that are standing out, good or bad, for you guys? Obviously, lots of people will be eyeballing that game week two fixture for City against Norwich, and you know, but they might be swerving City to start. Is there any standouts for you, good or bad? So, for me, the, the teams that you mentioned uh, are spot on. But I think this season, more than any other, I don't think I'm looking for an eight-game stretch. I think... I'm going to be looking at a four-game stretch until uh, the first international break and potentially a wild card. And the reason I'm saying that is because we potentially could have Kane, Lukaku, and probably other, you know, monopoly of yeah, not not monopoly domino dominant effect of all this all the signings that come in. These guys then have kind of like you know three to four, two two to three games to settle in. I can't see any of them playing in the first game week, maybe the second. Sancho the same, potentially starts in the second. So you kind of see a picture and then you go, oh, right, this is going to be the team. Now I'm going to change it. I just, I don't remember a season that we've had a lot of uncertainty. I mean, if you look at it, Everton, new manager. Um, with good, So good fixtures, new manager, right? So not, we don't really know what's going to happen there. Uh, United, like you said, there's some injuries. Uh, some of their players are coming back late. Like Sancho hasn't even started. New player. Uh, we don't know what what on earth is happening. Uh, if Spurs are buying somebody, is Son going to play? How is what's Nuno going to do? Um, you look at City. Um, they started. Could they start slow again? They had one game uh, preseason or two. One got cancelled. A lot of their players are not even back yet. The big the big boys. Um, so do do you, do you gamble on the Mares and Torres and hope that, that they play? Um, Villa have fantastic pictures, but they've just thrown up everything up in the air. Grealish is going, Bordea is new, Ings is coming in, is Watkins going to play on the left, is Ings going to start? Um, for me, I'm, I'm potentially thinking about this, is attacking the first three game weeks. Like, for example, I'm, I'm, and I'm just putting it out there, um, going game, game week by game week. Start with Havertz, half point five, go Mares for the second week, maybe bring in Son for the third week, wild card in the fourth week. I'm just thinking this out loud. Because of all the uncertainty that I can see, um, in, in the fixtures. There's some good fixtures, but uncertainty across the board. I'm going to focus on players that are settled and have had a long um, pre-season, like Liverpool, West Ham, not many changes. They have a long pre-season. Not a lot of their players were out um, uh, in internationals or the big boys are back early. 
maybe a Mahrez, maybe a, a Havertz who's been back. But it really depends on the signs. And that's why I think for me, I'm going to be looking at a game week, at like maybe up to four game weeks. Set up my team without having to say, I will definitely wildcard, but potentially with wildcard in mind uh, after the international break. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that's very wise, and, and and I would have to agree fixture wise. I think you, I think looking looking anywhere beyond the first kind of five or six fixtures at this stage is is the act of a madman. Um, we were a bit spoiled last season. Um, obviously, we had our you know no end of other kind of disruption, which I think we'll still see a little bit of, but obviously not to the extent with um, with kind of COVID and fixture cancellations and stuff. But um, we had a the transfer window was was all kind of done and dusted, whereas we're back to this scenario now, which we'd kind of forgotten about a little bit, of uh, three weeks of a season being um, played under the kind of shadow of the transfer window still being open uh, and that and a slightly earlier than normal international break at the end of week three means that I, I am I, I am not even looking beyond that and I think it's very much a case of scenario if you hope for hope for the best but plan for the worst I'm not planning a wild card in week four but I am setting my team up knowing that I will probably you know do it unless I've kind of started kind of very well and if I have you know you might have rolled a transfer you might start banging week one you know, don't make any transfers week two, roll a transfer to week three, and you've suddenly got two free transfers going into the international break. Obviously, then you're not going to wildcard if you're in a strong position. But I think a lot of managers are definitely earmarking that as the kind of potential kind of change of let's see who's on form, let's see what players are where. Um, you know, there are a lot of good players who are currently not really kind of with kind of any clubs or certainly not with the clubs they're likely to be actually kind of starting the season with or, or playing for in September. So I think I think let's wait and see and let's let's talk about those first kind of three or four fixtures and the best players for that. So, yeah, OK. Definitely. Let's, I just want to touch on this again. So we're saying short term. I touched on something about going, um, obviously not the whole team, but player to play, certain players to go targeting early fixtures, you know. Palace have got a new manager, a, whole, a load of new players. Chelsea are a bit more settled. If Lukaku's not in, could Havertz be the one for, for game week one or Werner, whatever. What, 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 what would be your advice, both of you guys, to, 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 to me or others that are thinking about, OK, do I go for, uh, you know, thinking about the structure of the team as well. Do I go for uh, uh, this, this Mares in, the, in you know, that, that price of eight and a half to ten to, t- to get those big players or go for more... The, the set, uh, you know, the, the the lower midfielders, but that have delivered before, so money is spread across the team. Just th- thinking about before we, because I know we're going to talk about players later in each, um, uh, you know, the good players, the good picks in each section. But uh, around the structure of the team, what 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 is your early thinking? That's okay. right. Yeah, I, I was just going to be, be kind of brief in terms of, I think people rightly talk about flexibility at, at the start in terms of covering those kind of price points um it's a little bit different this season in the sense that there is no premium striker available because there's only Kane who we know isn't going to start week one and could very well not really play until week three maybe even four um because this saga is likely to drag so you know, even best case scenario, he were to start week two and he ends up at City and they get it sorted by then. It's, it's a brave person who, yeah, picks a 12.5 million player and benches him kind of kind of week one. So so it's very different because not, there aren't any other kind of 
really kind of good prominent strikers. Aubameyang's the only other one who's over 10 million. And Vardy as well. And both of those are kind of like, you know, wrong side of 30 now. Um, you know, Vardy's obviously got injury niggles. Aubameyang had a terrible campaign last year. So I'd be surprised if either of those are attractive propositions at the beginning. So I think that means that we are naturally kind of spreading more of the money either into defence or into midfield, um, which does make kind of flexibility a little bit a little bit harder but I still think that would be my general advice in terms of if if you're not sure who you want from a start because you know there's not gonna be any manager who thinks yeah these are the 11 players I want I'm not interested in any others all of us are going to have a pool of maybe 20 players we're kind of playing around with at this stage it's kind of like okay how can I get to any of those players if they explode that I really want. Mares being a good example. Okay, if Mares scores two goals against Tottenham, he's got Norwich next. How can I get to him? That should be a question if, if it's someone if it's someone you want. And if you can't find a way of getting to that player in your squad, then I think you probably need to have a little bit of a kind of tinker. Um, yeah. You, can't, you know, you can't legislate for some I... of the wilder choices, but they'll generally be the lower owned players anyway, and the lower priced players. So and yeah, that's a, and that's a very good point. Because if if look if, the template is is kind of forming already, right? You've got Salah, Bruno in most teams plus two six and a half mids or or, or seven seven and a half, right? Uh, and uh, plus uh, three big defenders and three forwards. Now, like you said, some people are ignoring City and Chelsea, and I completely understand why. Pep Roulette, City for me, maybe I'm not. They they slow starters. They started slow last season. They were 14th after a few games, and then they picked up later on. Um, Chelsea, well, it's a minefield. Who, who do you pick? Uh, is Mount ready? Is Havertz, Lukaku coming? Again, so I can see why people are doing that. But like you said, if you have those two six and a halves uh, in there and you don't want to get rid of Bruno or Salah, you are going to need two to three moves to get to a Son, a Mahrez, a Havertz, or that eight and a half to ten midfielder price. I've seen some people, for example, having Mane in there. So he, they can move. Uh, the reason I'm thinking about either... Originally it was Mares, and then I thought, OK, well, actually, you know what? I like Havertz's first game and then I can switch. But And I, I don't like penciling in transfers, so I might not do that, but start with either one of them because of that price. And then, like you said, ha, if I want to go down to Rafinha or go to anybody down, it's one move from everywhere. In my defence, one move down, one move up, I can get to the next player. Um, same with the forwards. Now, forwards, got we'll touch on them later, but there's so many. If if the one that you have uh, blanks in two games and then the others are, are, are bang, bang them in, you're going to need to jump around. So, OK, wh- wh- what about you? Are you thinking about the, those those premium in midfields more than Salah and Bruno or are you looking at more the mid-price, mid-price guys? Uh, both. So, I would always set myself up with pretty much echoing what PJ said just before, um, that I like to always have a route that is viable to a, a player that explodes. Um, I'm not usually going to want to have like all of my money tied up in, in premiums, but, um, you know, and I, I do want to have those value options, but I, I do feel this year it's really, it, well, uh, as said, because we don't have a premium forward at the moment. It is achievable to have the, your sort of Bruno and Salah and then someone in that kind of 8.5 to 9.5 range, um, d- depending how you spread your money elsewhere. And I think that is really important because 
particularly when we come to talking specifically about midfield, in all of those price points, that 6.5-ish, the 8.5-ish, and then the premium, there are quite a lot of options um, that work. And you've no guarantee that the one you start with is the one that you're going to want in two weeks. And because pricing is so active initially, the first person to get a double-figure haul will go through the roof, particularly if that is someone who is under the premium price point, so anything from that nine-ish down, uh, because they tend to be more accessible. So I think that's the kind of flexibility you can have, just kind of keep that second door to an alternative in mind. Uh, and then you just have to move quick with your with your decisions. Um, so I think it's less important who you have in your team and more important how you have your team set up initially because we don't have genuine form to go on and we do have free transfers to move things around and we do have wildcards. So I think just make your life as simple as, as you can in that regard. Um, but like on that note, we'll, we'll move on to the most exciting position in the entire squad, the one that we love to use our transfers on. Um, Mars, why don't you talk to us about? <laughs> yeah, keepers. Right. Listen. I mean, okay. Let let let's start with the with the easy ones. You can go for the set and forget uh, people like uh, an Allison or an Edison, and you know that they're going to get probably the most clean sheets. But you'll be wasting a slot of the most attacking. <clears throat> teams uh, in the league. So for me, that is just too much money. Then you come down a little bit. Mendy did well for Chelsea, but again, for me, I think Chelsea at some stage, um, you, their defenders are probably better value for me, like uh, depending on who we see again, who settles James, Chilwell, etc. These guys have an attacking output. Again, for me, it's just too much money on a keeper, six million, I believe. Now, the hero of last season, five and a half for, for Martinez. First three fixtures are a dream. But then they go into into some hell fixtures if if you're following just the, the the fixtures. Now Martinez can still you know it's the thing the thing about Villa actually they're letting a lot of shots, which is why Martinez was getting a lot of bonus points because if he keeps a clean sheet, he's he's got at least three if not six, so those two extra safe points, um, and he's kept them in the game, etc. etc. I think it's it's worth it, um, but again. I just think this again for me. I'm, I'm the kind of guy who is not gonna waste uh, money on on a goalkeeper. So I will look for the next bracket, which is the four and a half. So you've got, you know, I think everybody's favourite at the moment. Looking at Sanchez or uh, Bashman, I see he's done well in the Euros. There is there were some rumours at some stage that he might be going, which leaves Foster as a four as a playing keeper. But I don't know if that's true or not. Again, it could happen. Uh, after the you know the transfer window still open, so it could happen any time. And after his performance in the Euros, it wouldn't surprise me. But it gives you an established keeper at four, fantastic. Um, so I can see why people spend five and a half Martinez. Set and forget. You know he will get you uh, clean sheets. Can Villa repeat the heroics of last season? Um, they can, but you know M- Martinez did have to overperform because his defenders were letting shots in, um, and we know that Villa. You know, again, I said there's some changes, uh, personal players. Terry's left. Terry, you know, had a lot to do with their defensive capability. Now, will they continue the same or not? Second season syndrome with defence, etc. His ownership scares me. If he 
gets three clean sheets in the first um, three weeks and you don't have that cover. So I was looking at Villa defenders, but Target hasn't played any of the or uh, any of the preseason or came on. Ashley Young has been starting. Uh, you could go Matty Cash. They, they are five. Again, it's, it's not a bad price because there's some good players. You know, you've got West Ham or it's only uh, a half away from y- your shows, etc. If you want to go there to start with. Um, I, I certainly looked at it because I think they have an attacking output, Cash and Target. But also you're covering Martinez and his ownership. Um, uh, the other keeper that I see um, people looking at and talking about and I understand why is Melier. So the five, that's the five million. Uh, Leeds are a team that has got better defensively in the second half of the season. Now we be interesting to see uh, how they're playing. I read something about Bielsa actually. Like he really does not care uh, about um uh, results or whatever in 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 uh, friendlies. So don't look at the fact that they lost four 0 What he cares about is the output of his players. How much did you run? Did you do what I told you to do, etc. I know it sounds stupid, but Bielsa is kind of crazy like that, and he will look at certain things. Um, so I wouldn't pay. I mean, I try not to pay too much um, in, um, notice for the friendlies and the results. I know they just lost four 0 but you know Leeds. It, it's just it'll be interesting if they come out again gung ho or do they go back to adapting the way they did um, in the um, second half of the season, which allowed Melier to get more clean sheets. Again, they let shots in, um, and Melier gets a lot of bonus points. If they keep a clean sheet, it's normally Melier. It's not spread on their defenders. A lot of the time, Melier gets it because of the saves. So I can see, again, why people are spending that 0.5. But, uh, you know, most of us come... Friday will be looking where can I get that 0.5 extra to fit this in or fit that in and I think the keeper is a place where you can start with a 4.5 and then reassess after the white card that's that's my thinking yeah I fully agree for my end I mean goalkeepers are goalkeepers right and there's always someone that emerges at some point early in the season um that proves to be the one to to jump on and again, I think that's when you're wildcarding, you'll be armed with a little bit more information to, to maybe change things then. Um, all right, Peter, let's move on to defenders. There's obviously some decent value to be had in defense this season with the, the pricing of some of those semi premium ranged ones, um, which are already proven popular, but who catches your eye? Yeah, thanks, Kylie. Well, um, I just want to touch upon the kind of premium first, uh, and then I'll kind of get down into the kind of lower one. So I think I think anything above kind of 5.5 is classified as, as, as a kind of premium. I think we'd be kind of lured into kind of thinking that kind of 5.5 is now quite cheap for a defender because we're, we're used to kind of Trent and Robbo sat there on these kind of higher kind of price points and, and being very much kind of good value for it. Um, I like the pricing of the defenders generally. I think they're actually the best priced. Of, um, of 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 the kind of game because I think it forces so us, us to not go down an easy route. I think there are just so many options and, and most of the most of the key players are, are priced correctly. Uh, Trent, for example, is is 0.5 above Robbo simply because he carries a greater goal threat. They're both fantastic assist weapons on their day, um, and, and that's what, what Van Dijk doesn't have in his armory. He very rarely gets assists. So I think those Liverpool boys, um, who we know will still get plenty of attacking involvement, are very well priced. And then we, we come on to kind of Chelsea and City. The uh, difficulty PJ, with before, them... you, before you move off, yeah, yeah. PJ, before, before you move off Liverpool, just quickly on Van Dijk. I've been watching the preseason. Look, we will not start with Van Dijk. Yeah, he, well, I mean, he said that, he, hasn't he? he won't start week one, yeah. 
No, I, I can't. See, I, I reckon he will come after the internationals. I just have that feeling that they will start with Konate and Matip. Yeah, makes sense. Um, Gomez and Gomez and Van Dijk. He he he's played 15 minutes, then 40 minutes. Let's see what he does. But he's still, even when he goes in for a header or he goes, you you still kind of wincing. You're worried what's going to happen. And I, I think he will ease him in unless we really really need him. That's just just on Van Dijk. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Marzi. Um, yeah, so so. Chelsea obviously rotated kind of quite a lot, and it will be interesting to see if if they have a more kind of settled side. But but Chilwell is definitely the one that stands out. Um, obviously, extremely attacking. We know that he'll play wing backs kind of quite a lot. Alonso appears to be on the scrap heap. He's obviously been offered as a kind of part exchange deal with Lukaku. We'll see if that happens. Emerson, you know, may as well not be there. So you know, I think Chilwell will likely start the majority of the game. So he would certainly be my pick at the Chelsea defence. Diaz, for kind of similar kind of nailed reasons, would would be my pick of the uh, Manchester City players. But obviously, kind of Cancelo, if he can get a run in the team, we know how how dangerous he can be because he's got set pieces, shots from a distance, assists all in his armour as well. And then going down to the 5.5, there's some very popular options in there. Luca Dean, incredibly popular. I've seen him in almost every single team on Twitter. And you can understand why. He's, he's an attacking weapon. They Everton have fantastic fixtures. Um, we know we know that he's probably going to burn us because Everton, have, no matter who seems to be the manager, never seem to keep clean sheets when we want them to, um, get attacking returns against good teams. So we know that he'll probably you know be out of our sides angrily by three or four weeks, but we're going to do it anyway. And I say, you know, why fight that? Why fight that? Let's all go down on Maluka Dini together and uh, and enjoy it but after him then we've got the Man United boys as well who I know a lot of people are interested in Maguire, Shaw, Wan-Bissaka less favoured on Twitter but I guarantee he'll be very popular amongst the casuals and was last season loves a bit of bonus is chipping in with assists uh, I think those Man United assets are are well priced and the other one in that range is, is Creswell of West Ham um, is he still worth that 0.5 over the rest of their defenders uh, particularly, particularly Soufal, who you know we know uh, ended the season very well. I, I think I, I think I think he might be. Certainly, if, Man- if if West Ham don't buy any more players and they haven't really bought anyone yet, Creswell is still going to be on the vast majority of set pieces for them. And you know he, he, we know what he can do. We know what he can deliver. He will get eight, nine, ten assists again, unless West Ham signs someone who is going to be, uh, you know somebody at the fulcrum of all their set pieces I think I think Creswell is still a very good option for people who want to think a little outside of a box so so those are the premiums and then there's a little point really kind of touching on individual players in the kind of more budget kind of bracket it very much kind of comes back to playing those kind of three to four week fixtures these are the players uh, you know that I think you're going to kind of start the season with and then probably kind of move on as as fixtures determined. So cheap players, and so Watford and Brighton are the two cheapies who have the best fixture run at the start of the season. So it's no surprise that most people have one of Backman or Sanchez in their team. And if they have the other, they have maybe a Firmino or they have a, a Veltman, um, you know, or um, or a Dunk maybe if he's fit. Villa as well, as we've already mentioned, fantastic first three games. Yeah, their defenders are five million, but I think most people will probably, because Martinez is 5.5, you know, find a way to get one of their players at 5 million. 
Um, after that, there's not there's not really kind of much there. And again, that's probably why we see those teams dominating the drafts that we've seen so far. But um, I would say that, you know, kind of beyond that period, uh, Wolves fixtures turn incredibly well from kind of game week four. So if you don't want to plan for an early wild card, sticking a Wolves defender on your bench is certainly not the worst idea in the world. Um, Aston Villa fixtures turn after week three in the reverse to how Wolves do. So sticking the likes of kind of Cody on the bench for 4.5 is is, is a very viable option. Um, what about Aitinori? I hear he's the next Messi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's um, he's you can tell how small the Twitter bubble is about certain players because he's owned by one um, percent of people. So um, he's certainly not on the casual wavelength. Um, I don't know what a lot of people love to talk about. They discovered Lundstrom, um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. If someone might be able to tell us what Lundstrom's ownership was at week one. Um, kind of at the start of last season. I know Stuart Dallas was actually not that badly owned at all, actually. Just most people got rid of him because Leeds didn't start very well. But uh, he was quite highly owned. I think he was about 7 or 8% week one. But um, yeah, Ait Nuri at the moment, just nobody on him whatsoever. So, but yeah, that's, I think, you know, I don't want to kind of, you know, labour the point on, on defenders. I think we all want to talk about the more exciting options in kind of midfield or attackers. But just as a general overview on defenders, I think this is a season where certainly two premiums are needed, if not three. And then, you know, just look at the fixtures for the remaining spaces. Excellent. Okay, then. So, yeah, let's let's talk midfield. It, it is a minefield, to be honest. There are just so many options. And I think a lot of people are in the same boat where they kind of say, you know what? I'd take 10 midfielders if I had enough budget and I could scrap some of the rest of my team. Um, there are so many different directions to go in and there's actually a different price point. I feel quite an interesting variety of players, some well-known, some, you know, maybe that are more driven by potential, but it'll be interesting to see how the season goes. Let's just briefly, I think, touch on premiums because these are the, the known knowns. Um, Salah, as expected, is currently just shy of 50% owned. I mean, I say as expected, but who are the 50% of people that don't have Salah? Bit, bit hard to fathom, um, at this point, but there you are. Bruno is then at 40.9% owned. Um, now this is interesting because we've obviously alluded to owning, uh, Salah and Bruno a couple of times, um, in, in this conversation already. The, Bruno piece is the one that really kind of always and certainly this season um, proves a greater cause for debate. Uh, part, Well, in this case, partly due to some of the changes um, to rules that people are arguing may yield less penalties. So then is he worthwhile? He's also, unlike Salah, had a, a reasonable price increase. So there's always that value value concept bit that people struggle with. I mean, for me personally, Salah is a must with those fixtures. Bruno is someone that I've never loved owning, um, and I don't particularly enjoy the idea of owning him at his current price. Um, that said, I, I, I fully intend to to start with him um, because I, I think it's it's quite the rational thing to do and sometimes trying to be overly clever um at the start of the season can can cause you to have a difficult time like I did last year. Um, the reason with him is, is kind of less about Bruno um, 
although we know what he can do and they have great fixtures. Um, it's, it's more because of that flexibility piece. This year, we can see that Bruno, KDB and Mane are all at 12 million. Sterling's at 11. Son is at 10. Um, and then of course, Sal is at, at 12.5. So even if you start with Bruno, who is the most stable of those options, um, it does mean that if you think his output isn't that great or if he looks really tired or something, you can move quite easily to those others. Um, so I guess my first question for you guys, short and sweet, um, what I assume you're all starting with Salah, but what are your stances on Bruno? Are we all going in? 100%. I, I, I honestly can't understand why anyone is going going without. But that's, that's just me. I, I'm not going to kind of labour the point. I think it's... I think maybe for me, it's, it's a product of obviously how bad my season was last year, particularly my start. Obviously, week two, the fabled 19-pointer, which I just never recovered from. And this year, I've, I just feel that I've got to stay in the pack more. And obviously, I'm not just looking at Twitter. I'm looking at overall ownership. I'm looking at my mini leagues, which is what I want to play. Everyone in my mini league will own Bruno. Um, I think his fixtures are really good. He's on everything. I, I just think it's insanity for me to bet against that, particularly when looking at the teams I said, you're betting against it by spreading that money amongst what essentially are very high-risk, high-reward players, the likes of Mares and Havats and stuff, which which could be great, could be brilliant. I'm not dissing anyone who goes down that route. It's a bit early to have to yeah, take that. Yeah, but for me, there. just have, have Bruno and Salah in your team. They are going to be both on expected ownership over 100% for the first four weeks. I just want their points, you know, if, if they, and if they blank, they can be moved to anybody in the game. So, you know, it's yeah. a win-win. And that's, and that's the point. I think, I think it's easy to drop down if, if you realise, okay, uh, well, Sancho's playing better, I can save two million, fine. We don't know what Sancho's going to do. We have no idea. Uh, yeah, I can see, I see teams with Greenwood. Fantastic, yeah. But if Greenwood doesn't do well and then Bruno does and you want to jump to Bruno, and I know we just said you can wildcard early, but and that's that that's the point. I would rather start with the guys that I know always deliver and then remove them if I have to. I can see why people are enjoying not having Bruno in there. And I, I read people saying, Oh well, you know, if I have him and I don't captain him, it's a minus anyway. I'll still take the points, thanks. You know, that's that's just me. But I can understand why people do it. But you just have to be really careful where you're spreading your money and can you get to him in case he bangs. Exactly. It's just uh, basically, as, as PJ said, uh, I, similar boat to me, I, I really don't want to overthink some of those decisions to start with because it can be incredibly difficult to come back from a start like that when you've gone too far against the pack. Um, and he is very easy to change to someone else. You can afford to change him to anybody else midfield um, if you're so inclined. But getting him in after you've spread that cash, that is incredibly difficult because you will also want to jump on early bandwagons, potentially cheap players who emerge quickly. And if you're too busy trying to get Bruno in, then you're going to be falling further behind. Um, okay, then. So moving on to the, the next range, we've sort of, alluded to this a bit, it's that 8.5 to 9.5 range with really exciting players, but none of them are without their risk. So, namely here, I think, 
we'd probably all agree Havertz and Mares are, are quite standouts at that spot. I mean, obviously Sancho falls into that category and, and Rashford as well. Um, but I mean, there's concerns about minutes with all of them. Sancho, obviously, um, he, he hasn't played yet. Um, you know, how many minutes will he play to start? I, frankly, I don't know. He's an unknown in that team. Um, Mares is not an unknown at all. We know that he is incredibly successful and a great fantasy football player to have in your team when you call it right. Um, the challenge with Mares, I personally have owned him many times since his Leicester days and really never seemed to get it right in a Manchester City shirt. My timing is, is always incredibly unfortunate. Even when I followed the stars and the smoke signals and various other things that I would hope would tell when Pep would play him. Um, Havertz is another one. I think that he, you know, he had a little bit of a challenging time last season, didn't quite live up to the hype, but I think we've all seen what's there and, and the potential and he is exciting. They do have a great first match. Mars, you mentioned at the top of the show, the possibility of doing a, a Havertz to Mares to Son. I've seen quite a few people mention that. That's quite an exciting um, proposition to be able to to move from those exciting ones. But um, I think if you can squeeze one of them in, as we sort of said, that is a, a brilliant thing to do and, and a worthwhile gamble if you're really happy that you've got your bases covered with the Brunos and the Salas and the Trents and these kind of guys that you feel confident will play. Um, that feel a bit more secure, you can certainly do that then. But if you don't have those players and you've maybe got a couple of these ones in, it, that could be pretty problematic pretty quickly. High upside, yes, but also massively risky. Um, yeah. Any others yeah. in that category? Yeah, Son. I think Son is is an important one to, to, to talk about because... At the kind of bottom of the pre, it's sort of somewhere between this category. He's and the at category. ten. He's at ten million. So you've got Salah and Bruno, twelve point five, twelve. Yeah, so he's between the two sort of. Yeah, between the two, but but he's an interesting one, right? Because potentially, if they don't sign a replacement, he could be an out of position player. We know what Son can do. Probably two hundred plus points a season, uh, kind of player. Will he? Will Nuno? find, you know, he loves, Nuno loves a centre-forward, a, a Jimenez. So is he looking for that type right now? Uh, I, I don't see the players that they have, any of them, to, to be able to step like that, to step up uh, to that. Uh, but he's an interesting one, uh, for sure, because they, you know, Son is Son, they have some good fixtures after the, the first one. Uh a lot of people are looking at him for captaincy for game week three. Now we're jumping ahead to game week three, but it's just that because they play Watford. Um, seen, seen some of his stats of when Kane was there, when Kane is not there. Some people think maybe he will take penalties. There's a lot of ifs and buts. It's an unknown. And 10 million is a lot of money, but that 10 million allows you to have Son along. Uh, I will always say it's, it's for me along with Bruno and Salah. And you can have a good team, by the way. I've, I've done it. I had, I had a, a, a you know, the three premium, three premium defenders, those three and three fours, because the forwards are so cheap, you, you are able to do it. Maybe you can't have uh, Calvert Lewin and Ings now, but you can have a seven point five, six point five, and an eight, well, for example. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, so for me, Son is 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 a really an interesting one because um, 
just, just for the caliber of the player. See for most of us, not long wait and see necessarily. Mm, um, mm. I, I mean, I I would never question someone's decision to choose Son. I, I yeah. love Son as a player, and and you know, I think we've seen in the, the data samples is still relatively small. Um, and obviously there's been different managers and various things, but, you know, we've seen him step up and succeed when, when Kane's been out of that team. And we obviously don't know what the Kane situation is now, but, um, so I think he's far from a terrible decision, but I think given the fact that they have City first, I know he's actually scored quite well against City, um, in the past, but mm-hmm. I think it feels like a justifiable reason for people to maybe just kind of have him in the back of their minds as someone to come in for game week three, but not quite have to worry about fitting him in just yet. Yeah. Yeah, I'm certainly interested in the <clears throat> Havertz first game, see what ha- what's happening at City. Do we think Mahrez will start against Norwich? Because the w- it would be worse if I bring him in and then he's been, he doesn't start against Norwich. It's something that I'm considering, whether I'll go ahead with it or not. Don't know, now, but just something that let's just quickly move on to the the cheaper ones. We won't we won't labour this. Um, obviously, the, the sort of six point five range is is really popular. There are a lot of players in this range. We have proven players like Rafinha um, and Harrison, so they're at six point five and six uh, for Leeds. I mean, I am a huge Rafinha fan. Um, he basically helped steer my season into less terrible territories. He's incredibly creative. Uh, frankly, would have had so many more points if it weren't for uh, his teammates bluffing every chance he got. Um, so they don't have great fixtures to start, but they're not terrible. It is an exciting Leeds team. And he feels like a really steady option to just sort of leave it there. Whether he'll do as well this season remains to be seen. But he, he is a great option at that price. Um, Buendia is really popular at Villa. He's obviously played in the Premier League for Norwich before. Um, very creative player, but he's still new. He's now in that Villa squad that is kind of looking even more concerning because there's so much change, as we've already mentioned. Um, one that stands out to me just quickly as an interesting watch list is Ali. This is very, I wouldn't start with him in my team. Um, I know people are saying he might be a trap and all of this sort of stuff, but it's completely different circumstances to last year. I think he could prove to be a really interesting player to own again this season if he, you know, comes out of the fold and the dark cloud of the Mourinho era. He had a very successful couple of seasons incredibly high scoring seasons um, when he first broke onto the scene and he's only 6.5. So I don't think he's a season keeper or anything like that, but I think that we might find opportunities to pop him in our team to great effect this season. Um, So that was, a, you know, there are so many other options in midfield. We could literally do a thousand pods on this subject and, and never run out. I can't of believe you didn't mention Trossard. Um, I'm gonna. I, I mean, on principle, like, no, I can't no. believe. I, I can just imagine PJ now uh, having a hissy and leaving the room. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he'll find a way to drop him into conversation at some point before the end. <laughs> I have every every confidence. Um, but let's just quickly move on to to forwards then. Yeah, um, the, 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 the one the one midfielder that I didn't hear is is Harvey Barnes. I hear a lot of people talking about him. Look, yes. All right, Price, attacking team, 
again, for me, I think there's other options, like you said, that are a, a million cheaper to start with. Barnes could be a good one for the beginning, but I just think he's one where when Rogers changes the formation, he'll he'll drop out. I just think uh, just have that feeling with with Leicester. Uh, but yeah, strikers. Uh, well, I don't think we can touch on premiums because we don't know what's happening. So keep an eye out to see what's happening with Kane. And if Lukaku comes in or Messi now, well, you know, if City decide to, to go down, it'll be interesting if City go to Messi and uh, leave Kane now in, in a hump with, uh, with, with Spurs. That, that would be quite hilarious. Um, I, I was listening to the radio earlier and they were saying that with the money that you want to pay for Kane, 100, 120, you can give Messi a contract. Let's see. Um, now, th- yeah, so the next, the next one down, you look at Vardy. I think, look, I think Vardy is still the man to go to for Leicester, but I just think it's a lot of money with, with the midfielders and the defenders that we talked about. And with the options that you have at the low, at, at the one down, which is the 8 and 7.5. I mean, God, we are spoiled for choice of players that have regularly delivered but also directly frustrated and injury-prone, which is really annoying, right? So you've got Wilson, these the Dominic Calvert-Lewin, uh, Antonio, um, Ings. So Ings, Antonio and Wilson are ha- hamstring FC. God knows if, how long they'll play, but they all are capable of delivering and banging. Um, all also have good fixtures. So Ings, three fixtures. Will he start at the beginning? Um, he might not start the first game, which is away to Watford, but then he has two home games to come in. It'll be interesting to see their next friendlies, I think, early next week. Uh, Wilson already had a knock in, in, in pre-season. Um, Dominic Cavett-Lewin didn't really, really play in the Euros. New manager should come back. Southampton first game. I think Southampton are going to struggle, especially if they don't quickly sort out what's happening with Ings. Um, so I think, you know, I know you how you guys feel about him, but Benitez loves the Again, as, as, uh, your your typical striker. He had Torres. He had um, well, Torres. I can't remember who it was, but Carroll. We bought. You know, it, it's he loves that that kind of player. And I think with Richarlison at the Olympics in the first few games, DCL could be the main man. Let's see what happens with Rodriguez. Um, and then you've got so Watkins. What is he going to play left wing? I I know he played for Brentford there and scored, but definitely not as much as he did. Um, you know, he already was missing and frustrating us when he was uh, as a, as a striker. Is he going to be now more on the left wing, more of a supplier than a, than a, than a finisher? Frustrating um, us. He was providing us with the stuff that dreams were made of. I, you know. Oh come on! Not come on! Not he was. Me. I owned him. I'm I'm the Watkins you FC Watkins supporters club here. The founder of Watkins and Dallas Supporter Club. And I'll tell you, as much as I loved Watkins, he was so frustrating so many times. You'd think he would get no, a hat trick. You didn't like him when I owned him because I had... Uh, he never scored. Well, you ruined him, Kylie, consistently. I genuinely well, yeah. did. I actually destroyed the man's career nearly. Every time I owned him... <laughs> it was actually very skillful because, because when you owned him... He, he replaced the target of a very big goal with a very small target of a post and just repeatedly <laughs> hit that again and again. I think, look, and I, missed I think, a penalty and had goals ruled out and various other things. Well, he won't be on yeah. penalties anymore, the, Kylie. So. <laughs> because, yes. I think, look, let, let's get back to the message. <laughs> the message is there's plenty of options. I'll put Watkins to one side now. But Wilson, Antonio... DCL, they're all the talisman. You have to pick the two or three that you're going with and 
give them time, give them the three, four games. Um, unless you're thinking of a DCL first game at home to Southampton, the switch to Ings because he's got two home games again. I don't see why not, but you, like this is, is something that you can definitely do, but then think about the other three transfers that you want to do. If you go a step down, there's uh, one of the most high, highly owned players, um, Tony, and new, and new to the to the Premier League. Uh, it's an interesting one. His price is appealing because it's cheap, and you can then switch to Puki, who we, we've seen when Norwich's fixtures get better, or go down. I, I keep playing around on. on I think the Friday night is annoying me because I want him, I want to play him that Friday night because it's the first game at home. Brentford knew we know Arsenal can get bullied and Tony loves to bully defenders. Uh, but I can also see Brentford that's, absolutely that's, struggling. That's not a reason. And we, the other thing you've got to think of it, you look at it the other way in terms of like, would you rather... Yeah, I think it's better to have nobody involved than pick someone you're not fully comfortable with. If you are fully comfortable, great. But if you're not fully yeah. comfortable <laughs> with somebody in that fixture, for someone who might want to, I don't know, get uh, an Arsenal defender or something up against Tony, if you're not fully confident, I, I don't think do it for the sake of a for the for the sake of a fixture. But if you other thing, just quickly on Tony, I because a few people, I, I just don't think he's a bargain. I think I think he only looks a bargain because generally the prices of forwards are higher than uh, this year. Most players have been pushed up into that kind of seven point five kind of range. So him at six point five looks enticing, but six point five million for a promoted striker is rare, particularly for someone who's never played in the Premier League before. I think you'll struggle to ever find someone who's come up with a promoted club priced higher than that, um, and that's a big responsibility. And yes, it looks a bargain compared to the forwards, but I don't I don't think he looks a bargain when he's compared to the kind of six to seven million midfielder bracket. And personally, that's why I've not considered him. I know why lots have, but I think every team I've seen him in has been a 3-4-3. I'm probably going to be playing a 3-5-2. And because of that, I've never, I've never considered him because I'd rather mm-hmm. have a 6.5 million midfielder. That's just me. That's fair. I'm, I'm, at the moment, I'm looking at 4-3-3. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I get it. I think for me, it's so, uh, a combination of ownership, uh, talisman and um, just a reminiscent of Puki when he first came. Few, definitely not a season keeper, but few games. Uh, to me, easy again to watch and see which six and a half midfielder I want, and then drop and see if there's a four point five striker that comes up or not, whatever, and then change to four four, uh, you know, uh, three five two or four 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 two. Uh, uh, drop Tony and, and bring. Yeah. See, I know a lot of people have Rafinha, and I know we like Rafinha, etc. I mean, their their fixtures for me are not the most enticing. Uh, and he's an assister, yeah, he'll get a cu- couple of goals. Maybe I'll watch what Tony does, and then when Leeds fixtures get better, I'll go and bring Rafinha in, or uh, Bondia if he's then smashing it, or any other six six and a half, uh, or even Barnes if if needed. That's that's my thinking around Don't with hate. Tony. Don't hate on Rafinha; he's a god. Okay, we, we love him on this spot. Um, uh, okay, so let's move on from forwards then and quickly come back to PJ, I guess, on any differentials that we haven't covered in, in any of those positions that have stood out or that look particularly interesting. 
Yeah, thanks, Carly. Particularly the I guess as a kind of an afterthought, I suppose. Yeah, we could talk to PJ again. Thanks for that, mate. Um, I think just. To... I know it's coming here. This is why I, I'm a bit reticent about it. Um, I'm not going to mention keepers um, uh, because they're boring enough, but um, just quickly on the other position. So on defenders, um, I've, look, I've looked across the board here. Anyone who's currently owned at less than 3%, now those figures might change, but just in terms of proper differential territory. So two teams stand out from the defenders. We touched upon Wolves a little bit, but Semedo at 5 million and Art Nori at just 1.6% owned. Those two... Um, if they can get some game time, um, you know, Samado is Samado, 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 Samado. All of those could be right or wrong. Um, one goal, three assists from a kind of a bit of an injury-ridden season. If if Wolves do play wing backs again, I, I think he might actually be a little bit of a sleeper. He's a very talented player, and and a lot of the Wolves fans are kind of are kind of talking him up. But uh, the two the two defenders who stand out for me are differentials are the two of the two Spurs boys and, and Spurs have been largely written off as a bit of a laughing stock because of you know well they are a laughing stock and obviously with the whole Kane saga and but they've got Nuno in you know they've got a proven Premier League manager and Regulon and Doherty are owned less than two percent and if they go back to playing a three five two or a three four three however you want to phrase it. With, with wing-back systems, those players are going to be extremely enticing. They're only 5 million. We know that Spurs will just, by being Spurs, will keep, you know, at least kind of 10 or 12 clean sheets in the season. So those two, Doherty, yeah, he was terrible last season. He's got his old manager back. I'm not sure that's good or bad, but, you know, he, he got 15 assists and eight goals under Nuno. He was an FPL legend, and he's now uh, arguably a bigger and better club with the same manager. So... He's definitely one I've got my eye on, not to start with, obviously, because we've got City first up um, and we don't quite know how they're going to look. But certainly on a wild card, I would be keeping an eye on those two Spurs players. So on midfield, a few stand out. Pogba, just 2.6%. I think I'll sign a new contract. Uh, everyone's talking about Greenwood. I think Pogba will have a really good season with United. I think he will chip in with a lot of assists uh, and I think he'll play a more advanced role. Bowen at West Ham, just, just 2% owned. Um, 14 returns last season. Only Rafinha in uh, that 6.5 million bracket got more returns than, than Bowen. I think he's being completely overlooked. Uh, Willock, 0.6% of people own Willock. Eight goals in the final third of the season for Newcastle. That um, move, I believe, has gone through tonight. Or certainly the bid of 20, 25 million has been accepted. Just 6 million. Um, I think he's definitely one to kind of keep an eye on if he plays in that kind of number 10 position again for Newcastle. Teller at Southampton. Um, yeah, granted, that one seems a stretch. Little guy called Trossard, um, uh, who's uh, 6.5 million. Um, absolute boss on and off the pitch. Uh, so, you know, you could do a lot worse than have him in your team, I think. But um, I expect to see him lining up for you, Kylie. Is, is it going to be the Trossard yeah. train? Just, just let people know. I'm not, I'm not letting people who know who the train is. Look, to be fair, surely the breaking news is on the. Surely the breaking news is on the better. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going early. For a start, I'm pretty sure Trossard is still isolating with potential COVID. So, you know, if I'm going to do a train, you know, I want to make it at least get out of the station. So. I mean, get Shay Adams last year, so I feel like. I'm on thin ice. I need a win. So I need a win with my train. It's been two duds after Ashley. 
So, to, uh, to be fair, to be fair to you, uh, Adams had actually not a bad start, and then got assist, and then started scoring, and then went off. I mean, come on! I mean, how long do you want the train to last? Every train journey has to stop. Great, great. Okay, you're throwing him a bone there, but Scott uh, <laughs> yeah. is it's just about so, like 47 miles too too far down the train track to to be acceptable. Let's see. So um, just before I move on to strikers, um, just quickly as well. Also, um, Dali Ali, I've, I've, I've got to say, people are laughed because people have short-term memories. This is a guy with 100 Premier League goals and assists. Uh, he's only 25 and he's 6.5 million. Again, it's a Spurs factor, but that has season bargain if he can nail his way into a first 11 written all over him. So he's he, wasn't, he wasn't listening to you, Carly, was he? He blatantly was getting a beer or something. <laughs> yes, because I've already, I've already flagged Ellie as my differential. Yeah, but I, I thought if I did it again, people, people might, you know, <laughs> yeah, no one's going to listen to the whole pod all the way through. But you know, Dave will just be skipping to the points when we mention him. And, and, and <laughs> on that, on that note, uh, Dave, I'd like to personally also recommend two point two percent owned uh, Neil Mapai up front for Brighton as a great differential option. I mean, he's differential because he's complete shit. But if you want to own him anyway, fine. He's got a good XG, someone told me. Uh, other kind of forwards who are very low owned, Rodrigo, again at Leeds, um, just 6.5%, returned every 104 minutes in, in a bit of a kind of an injury hit kind of first campaign. Again, with that kind of almost endless caveat with differentials of if they can nail down a, uh, you know, a, a starting eleven place, um, but he's someone to keep an eye on as well. And finally, thought I'd end uh, Kylie with one of our heroes of the end of last season, owned by just one percent of players, Christian Benteke. What's going on? Legend. Um... <laughs> um, one to watch out for as well is is depending where he goes. Tammy, yeah, like if he goes to Southampton, we know that he's proved. I know you guys don't think highly of him, but. He always scores in the Premier League. He scores goals. He scores goals, exactly. Um, So it'll be interesting. Although I heard something about him going to Italy, Lukaku coming to Chelsea, him going to the team that they are replacing, Inter, buying a a striker from Atlanta or someone, and him going there, which is a bit weird. But hey, let's see. Let's find out what what happens. Can I just side before we move on um, to questions? I, I have to ask you, PJ, are you on some sort of commission structure with Brighton? Because there seems to be a tendency to to recommend Brighton attacking players who are terrible. Um, obviously, you. Well, Danny, Danny Welbeck was superb for me at the end of last season. He he got <laughs> me from a, a an OR of 700k to almost within 500k. And I, I mean, I'm pretty sure it wasn't single-handedly. I, 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 in my mind, it was that goal he scored. Oh, oh, that was my that was my highlight of the season. And the fact that that's not a joke says it all. So, <laughs> 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 well, I mean, we just did just talk about how Benteke uh, is a hero, so I can't I can't take yeah. that from you. I, I do um, like Brighton. They are they're a bit you know I mean they're they're, they're plucky, and I don't mean that to sound patronising. Ex lively, yeah. But they're they're, they're yeah they are a team that are very ex lively. You ne- they're so random, which I I kind of uh, yeah they're frustrating, but I kind of. You watch their games and I'm like, yeah, just I want a piece of that. They're, they're fun. You know, I wouldn't ever like 
own their players, I think, over a long period. But they're, they're certainly a team who I keep an eye on the fixtures with. And when they have a good run, uh, which I think they do at the start of this season, in fairness, I'm, I'm, I'm quite keen to kind of, kind of jump aboard. And, and Lewis Dunk is up there with one of the most undervalued players in FBL, to be completely fair. He's a bonus, bonus points weapon. And he Lots plays... of time. Yeah. I will concede that. It's yeah. the Trossard one. I was lured in by Trossard, right? You know, we, you know, he, <laughs> he looks lively. He hits the crossbar five times and you think, oh, it's an unlucky day, but he's showing so much potential. And then it actually turns out that, you know, that that's where he just shoots to because he's incapable of getting goals. Indeed. So, we move on from him because, you know, I get touchy with Trossard. Um, Okay, so that's all for our, our recap of all things uh, players and fixtures. Marzi, do we have some questions from our Twitter friends? We do indeed. We do indeed. We'll start with a friend of the pod, that guy Morpheus, at that guy Morpheus. Uh, three questions. One, Kane and Greenish, avoid until after the window closes. Yes. Son, worth a punt after a new contract. So we discussed Son. We think that along with Bruno and Salah, we believe, yes, if you're bringing him in instead of the Bruno, because I think most people will start with Salah, it's a risk. I can see why people are doing it. Just be ready to to be, you know. I can't, like you said, Carly, I can't say to anyone, Son is a bad pick. Absolutely not. I love him as a player. But I want to see what happens under, under um, Nuno. Chelsea, which assets to consider? Uh, let the season six party begin, he says. Uh, Monkey, you you touched on uh, Chelsea, uh, especially their defenders. I mean, do they even have a forward? Oh yeah, Werner. I forgot about him. Um, is there anybody that you know? Like I remember, so it's funny. The reason I'm thinking about Havertz because I remember the game they played against Palace and they absolutely dismantled them. I think it finished four 0 It was Pulisic, uh, Werner, and Havertz up front. The three. And they absolutely dismantled Palace. Uh, apart from Havers, is there anybody that you would consider to start with? Yeah, I'd definitely consider Mason Mount. In fact, he, he was in the first serious draft that I did. Um, mm. I, I like mm. his price point and I think he'll play in a set position. My, my issue with Havertz is that he's been doing extremely well in this kind of false nine role, but he hasn't really played as well when he's not been in that role and mm, with mm. Chelsea now almost certainly signing Lukaku it's like well how often will he play that role again yes Lukaku Werner and Havats looks on paper an extremely explosive front line and great as a Chelsea fan um, I think that's incredibly exciting but I think Mount supplying um, you know the kind of set pieces and through balls to those three players could could might be could be the kind of F- FPL kind of person to own, given he's that little bit cheaper and less yeah. rotation prone. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I don't know how certain. So the last thing I read from a Belgian account uh, and, and, and uh, a journalist who knows stuff. He, he always, I think he knows the players personally or something. The last thing I heard is Inter don't want to sell Lukaku. Lukaku doesn't want to push it. Now I read somewhere different that he actually told them, "Look, accept the next bid, please. I want to go." So I don't really know what's happening. I can see it dragging, unless we complete, you know, unless suddenly, bam, here he is. Because um, the other uh, uh, thing that I read is that they want him for the Super Cup, so as soon as possible, so he can play, you know, before before the season starts. But yeah, I agree with you. 
No Lukaku, Havertz is an option. With Lukaku, I think it's a way and see. Obviously, Lukaku is Lukaku and he can tear any defence apart. Thank you, uh, Morpheus. Uh, FBL4 at United Fan 96. What sort of squad structure should we be looking at, both in terms of value and ownership? Looking forward to it. So I feel like we touched on this a lot in our roundtable. Um, Monkey, you said you're going for 3-5-2. Usually, I always go for midfielders. And I say this, and I normally start slow. And this season, I'm looking to start with a 4-3-3, see what's happening, and then switch after game week four. Why the four? Look, Why the four? I mean, I might, I might go 3-4-3. Three, three. I've not decided on that final attack. Yeah, spot, but I've, yeah. not, I've not been tempted by four at the back, I have to say. I think it's the fact that I want three expensive... Uh, I, I want to start with Mares or Habits, along mm. with, Bruno and, with Bruno and Salah. Yeah, so, three, and yeah, and the, the three... Def- you know, so I've got... Uh, I could I, uh, um, show Dinier and Trent. So... The fourth is, is, is a 4.5. Now, this is not going to be long-term. I, I think I'm, my, my aim is to target the first game week four. Like you guys said, stay with the pack, but hopefully if, if I land on the right side of the equation, I could have a really good start. If not, then it is what it is. Uh, but I normally tend to uh, go with... I will As the season progress, I'll go three defenders, say start high, then take the money away from defence as, as I see the season gets better, maybe keep one premium, most likely Trent, and then go with uh, 3-4-3, because I like my forwards, or 3-5-2, which served me really... Last season, 3-5-2 is why I jumped up, because I just stuck with them. I stuck with all the... I I didn't care, template, high on, whatever. I had Son, I had Bruno, I had uh, Salah and Grealish, and those four were not moving. I wanted them, and I just stuck with them. I did not move with the, with the midfielders. And I plan to do the same this year, as in the premiums are staying. I'm not going to switch between premiums. I know I said... I'll, so, again, the first four game weeks are going to be different because I think be, there will be some fixtures and there will be a lot of changes. But after game week four, I plan to give my players more chance once I, once I get them in. Kylie, what kind of structure are you looking at? Um, so... For me, starting last season actually was an exception where I went 4-3-3, um, and we saw how well that went. But it, I always tend to err on the side of a 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2. Uh, I actually prefer a 3-5-2 because I do just enjoy owning midfielders, and I find that I tend to have more success with, with um, savvy choices of, of cheaper midfielders complementing my premium ones. So I'm very possibly going to go down that angle, but it um, it will be a flexible approach as discussed, um, and it will err on the side of the attackers. I won't be starting with four defenders just because it it to be honest it it doesn't suit the way I play, it, and I've seen that in previous results. Yeah, no, I, I completely like I said. I think the reason I'm going with four is because I have three big midfielders, so I can't I can't have too good midfield, enough midfielders to make it a five. It, well, I mean, even if I do. As well, it, like that is a valid point. But also, there are certain people that, you know, I'll use Paul as an example. And he often plays um, with four uh, defenders, sometimes even five, and has a lot of success with it. Mm. it just happens, I, I don't know. It just Some people just feel more comfortable in a certain formation or in a certain strategy and it works for them. And it just doesn't yeah. work. So it, you know, no, you, usually, usually it's not mine. Mine normally just three defenders, but also, you know, 
we, we say this a lot, but actually all my all my defenders are wing backs. I'm not going for any centre backs because I'm interested in their attacking output. Um, but yeah, let's see. Anyway, I mean, so I think we discussed a lot about the structure and the players. So hopefully that will that will help you. Um, and thank, thanks for the question. Uh, right. So next one, um, your favourite, uh, PJ, FBL Dave at clubs underscore mug. Uh, maybe we need to timestamp this and tell him what time it is so he listens to the question. <laughs> Put the 6.5 minutes in order of great to Trossard. Saar, Ben, uh, Ben Rama, Bowen, Smithrow, Mbwemo, Buendia and all the rest. All of them don't shit out. And then we told him basically... They're not all 6.5. And he said, fine, just go from whatever to whatever. Basically, he wants to prove that Trossard is the worst. Right. We're not going to do that. But there's a couple here that we haven't really talked about. So, Kylie, Saar, Benrahma, Smithrow, what, what are you thinking? I actually don't mind Smithrow. Now, um, we kind of need to, to see, you know, again, things could happen in the next couple of weeks that would maybe make him less of an option. Um, because that, that transfer window is still still open and it is those kind of players that can potentially be dislodged a little bit. I don't mind him. I, I wouldn't I'm not gonna be starting with him. Um but I think five point five is a nice price point um for particularly for a team like Arsenal where you're feeling maybe a little bit uncertain about who to go yeah. for. I mean Saka is my preference. Um, Saka has gone up a little bit, but I still think five point five uh, Smith Rowe could prove to be a really useful sort to have at different points during the season. Um, again, I think he's going to be one of those where you kind of have him in for a block and then maybe move on to someone else rather than you know someone for the whole season. But in contrast to say Trossard, I I would have Smith Rowe in my team, but I yeah. have a, a minor bias on the subject. Especially if he plays a, a ten as as he wants yes. and, and you know his number etc. And he talked about goals. I think for it's me definitely one to wait and see. This 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 is where starting with those expensive midfielders and coming down to those midfielders that you see are playing. They get you know first few games, see how the team is looking, how the teams are set up, and then you can have your choice. Um, so that's okay. We talked Smith Rowe. Uh, I'll I'll touch quickly on Sal. He has some experience in the Premiership, which is great. Um, I think Watford have good um, opening fixtures. But from what I hear, hear, read and Watford fan, they don't score a lot of goals. Um, And also they have about 50,000 forwards that I don't know which one is going to start alongside Saar. Um, now I've, I've also read that when, if Dean is not there, he might be the penalty taker. Again, for, oh, look, at 6 million, it's an absolute fine punt to have if you don't have a lot of other punts in your team because they do have some nice fixtures. Uh, and he has played. I find him frustrating when I watched him the first and I owned him the first time round. Uh, I mean, he did nothing. Then he scored a hat trick against Liverpool in the, se- in the season that Watford were in the, in the Premier League. So, for me, again, there are other established options like Rafinha, where with a 0.5 more, you can you you know you know what you're going to get. Um, PJ, I know you're not a huge fan of Ben Rama, but he really does remind me of Mares. And I wonder if a season that where he's settled now and with Lingard not being at West Ham and West Ham not buying anyone, it, could he be a bargain? Again, I think it goes back a little bit to kind of similar kind of boat of kind of Creswell or any of the West Ham assets. It, it's, it's who they buy. Um, 
I'm not anti Benarama. I, I just I just look at the minutes that he played last season and they they don't stack up. So if you told me Ben Rama was gonna start the first six games, um, for six million, I'd probably put him on my team, to be completely honest. Mm. I think he's got huge amounts of potential. The fans love him. Um he's 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 one of those players who you know, can can obviously kind of get the crowd on their feet and, and kind of entertain. Will he be one of those players? It's interesting because it's not a point that we've discussed at all and indeed hasn't been discussed on many um, uh, of the pods that I've listened to so far. I'm sure Planet... Breaking news, I'm breaking sure news. Planet Go Pod had, had a whole, you know, week coverage on it. But most other mortals is the fact that there are obviously certain types of players and clubs who, who, who play a lot better in front of fans. And, and that's something that has been... Um, was kind of very absent this year. Um, and that is likely to see, yeah, not the kind of same types of players do well or poorly as, as kind of last year. So um, I think that would be interesting as well. And Ben Rama certainly strikes me as someone who I think will play well in front for of the fans. Yeah. Of the fans. But I, I see this and I flip it for you. West Ham fans are known to be notorious about yeah, just getting they on are. the back of their team as soon as something goes wrong. Yes, and I are. wonder they if West Ham are. did really well because they didn't have them. I know, yeah. I know this is like a, a very, That's you know, uh, it's, uh, you know, contentious thing to say, but... No, it, 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 it's fair. It's fair at the end of the day. There are certainly, you know, um, those type of fans who can turn on a team very quickly and West Ham do, unfortunately, have a history of that. It's not an insult to West Ham fans to say that because because the evidence is, is there for all to see. But mm. um, I'd like to think the West Ham fans would be a little bit more patient given their, given their season last year. Um, and the fact that, OK, so they haven't signed an awful lot of players, but... To be frank, they didn't really need to. They're probably other than well, other than well, they've front. got Europa though, right? So another thing that we haven't really looked. Do they squad. have Europa? Are they in Europa, are they? Mm. Yes, they are. Yeah, they are. And that's that's one thing about Antonio. So one of the things that I'll consider with Antonio is okay. They have with Antonio. I look at the fixtures. He's a flat track bully. They have some good fixtures, and then I thought, okay, I want you now before you start the Europa because then I want to see what happens. Are they resting him in the Europa? I can't see him playing twice or three times a week. The, no, the guy, no so quickly touching on the others that he mentioned. So we talked about Buendia. I think we'll wait and see. In Buemo, I really don't know much about him. 5.5 from Bournemouth. Again, for me, he's a wait and see. If you have Tony, you can't have him because that's two unknowns. Uh, if you don't have Tony and you have a 5.5 spare, fine. But then why don't you just go for my uh, favourite guy, Stuart Dallas. Touching on Dallas quickly whilst we're talking in this, do we think he's worth the, the money that they've, the extra money? Uh, considering he loses clean sheets, what do we think? No, no, yeah. So I, I do, I do, you know, they signed uh, Freeport or Furpol, Brazilian left back. So he's a left back, and I do think BL. I actually, I said it again last season, and I'll say it again. Leeds play better with Dallas in the middle. He just there, he he adds something to the way they play. Every time I watch Leeds, when he was in the middle, they play much better, and they actually got better results. Look, I love the guy. I think it's a bit too... Again, maybe if I go to a five, he could be my fifth midfielder at that but price. I, see how Leeds play. Sorry. Yeah. I think the thing with him, though, is, as was kind of said there, is, yes, absolutely fair about him playing in, in midfield, but it, it's just... Um, and there's no denying his quality. Absolutely. But from a fantasy perspective, it, it does become difficult to choose him when you have other options within five mm. to a million more. 
So who are never going to be playing because you don't have that question about yeah so. yeah one guy we didn't touch on is Harrison another guy that had a really fantastic season yeah, six half million more half million less than Rafinha and I've seen him in some in some uh, drafts and I, I can understand why right thank you Dave that's a really good discussion uh, discussion on some midfielders that we did not even fit in the round table there's just so many what I love about this season is there's actually so many because of the pricing and the lack of premium forwards so far. You can have a great team that is different to everybody else. Yet in Twitter, there is already a template that's forming where six to eight players are the same. And that's mainly because you've got Salah, Bruno, Trent, Shaw, maybe Dinia, and then uh, one of the forwards that we touched on. It's funny, right? But there's so many good options that you can look at your team and think, I think this is a good team. And it just depends. Then, then it's on luck. Um, and I'm not going to go into a luck versus skill discussion now. Romero and Dovo, at Romero underscore and Dovo. This is something that we talked about at the beginning, similar to me. Good to have uh, the band back again. Thank you. I am an early wildcard aggro manager. Is it good to be an aggro and uh, an early wildcard or being smooth operator, Mr. Template, a good idea? So I, we talked, we all talked about the wildcard. We, PJ, you touched about wanting to stay with the pack this year, which I think is really important. I would say it's a marathon, but don't don't walk at the beginning. You have to, to maybe start with a sprint, then then control, then sprint at the end. Kylie, are you going to be more aggressive or are you going to be more template-ish? Um, because the reason I'm asking you this, guys, because so three, the last two seasons before this one, I had awful seasons. So last season, I decided that I'm going to change my game and I'm going to, I was determined on not having a bad season where I changed my style, looked at uh, effective ownership, looked at who I want and like gave it more thought about it. What about you guys? Last season, is it I, in your mind? I mean, I, I last season, I massively overthought and also tried to, um, you know, it's that thing of trying to almost be a little bit clever when, you know, we sit here and we, we talk on a, a podcast and we give, certain advice and then that's not advice you know it's often quite practical advice but it's not necessarily advice that we then put into practice in our own team and a lot of content creators and, and podcasters are guilty of that um i certainly did it last year and i went a bit renegade and kind of a, against the way that i would normally play um so for me this year it is very much you know, a case of I, I made a team at the start. It's ironic because there's actually a lot of uh, similarities to the template. I have been active on Twitter looking at, at teams. Um, so it just goes to show that, you know, people tend to think the same way. But I um, very much want to, to do my own thing. And I also need to ease up on some of the grudges. That wasn't helpful. Calvert-Lewin, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Calvert-Lewin, Watkins, you had quite a few. Dallas, you refused to have him at some, some stage. And I, with I, Aileen. I, I, I mean, some of them I accrued over time. I started the season with a vendetta against Albert Lewin. Yeah. Um, I collected Watkins and Trossard uh, as we progressed. Yeah. Cool. Elf, uh, FBL Elf, uh, Elf FBL. Does Hindu Monkey have a plan for dealing with his shit decision-making this season? It's a little bit. It's a little bit rich coming from. Uh, I mean, from one of the. Remember, who, remember, you've been nice to him. You finished below me. Well, yeah, yeah, but that was that was 
what I'm trying to do, Mars. But then people people test me by sending in shit like this, you know. <laughs> Just look, I, I, don't don't make me bring out my cats, you know, rank history again because I will, <laughs> and I won't be ashamed by it. Um, but obviously, I don't want to make the same mistakes as last season. And I've been I've been quite public about the fact that I'm not gonna go as kind of kind of big or as kind of like. Kind of You're not going to captain Barkley publicly. No, no, no. On my, on my own team, I'm still. I, I've just got to. I've got. I've got to try and keep. Um. Well, you know, all of this, all of this kind of. It's not just the kind of jokey side, but obviously on Twitter. But you know, the the, the kind of podding, the kind of discussion, and I've got to try and keep that separate and kind of say, look, it's good to talk about these things. I really love talking about FPL. I love joking about FPL. But ultimately, when I come to actually kind of do my team. I am playing against probably kind of 10 or 20 people in a couple of main mini leagues and, a, you know, a little bit of head-to-head. And that's yeah. who I'm actually kind of trying to be. And and if, if you do that successfully and you make those small decisions well, the bigger things like obviously OR will 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 come. So yeah. um, it's definitely herd, herd mentality. And because I'm on Twitter a lot, that I, I've already felt that. Generally, other than the premiums, and they are premium for a reason, all the other players, it, it, there's going to be a lot of a lot of difference between how they performed last year. We just we just don't know yet. You um, could seriously pick a good team and end up with a bad game week yeah. uh, score because so because it's just that you pick you pick, you, you pick Anton, uh, Antonio and Wilson scores and you you pick Watkins and uh, Tony scores. Like honestly, it, it it could go either way at the beginning, and you just have to be patient and you have to trust your. Uh, instinct and I, I, I usually hate this it's the process not the result well no it's both but at the beginning just don't get too gung-ho with it because we just don't know like you said there's so many unknowns this season yes throw COVID in there as well uh, uh, the betting against the very highly owned players that mm. was a huge mistake particularly like Son Kane in particular that I resisted yeah. for so long at the start of last season. But, but anyone, you could apply it to anybody. You know, I think, you know, those first few weeks, get the, get the higher own players in your team if you can. And not all, you don't need to have all 11, but, but eight or nine. No. Because those are the players, for a start, after three or four weeks, if they're still highly owned, it's because they're performing to some extent. So, exactly. you know, just keep them in. Pick your differentials up. That's you know, best laid players are nice, nice men and all that. Let's let's see how it goes. But um, after last season's shit show, I would just take just a you know a top hundred k rank and just like yeah. move from there. Because... And don't mention Shrewsbury people, right? Uh, Jimmy the Claret at Claret FBL. Who's your best budget pick as a don replacement? Well, we've got him on the pod, so you know that's as what we went as budget as we could. Four point five. Is, is that your value, PJ? Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just it's, just, player... it's just, it's just me. Listen, this, <laughs> listen. I, I, I miss having Don and having a go at him. So now I'm just going to use you, and you can back it on me, no problem. And once in a while, we'll just gang up on Kylie. That's that's what happens. Um, no, you're you... too scared to gang up. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> who do you think is currently being seriously overrated by FBL Twitter? One name each. Kylie. Overrated. Overrated. <laughs> spent that much time on Twitter, to be honest. Um, I think in general, I would say that Tony is overrated and overrated. Okay. Um, but as for Twitter, as for Twitter, sure. I don't yeah. know it's quite hard to start. Yeah, Tony's in quite a few drafts on Twitter. PJ? Tony as well? Luke Shaw. Is overrated. 
Well, he's in, I mean, not as a player, obviously. I, yeah. mean, I, I think as an FBL asset to start the season with, yes, he's overrated. I agree with you. You know, I, the thing is, I have him in my team. <laughs> yeah, but you own him. <laughs> no, no, no. I have him in my team, but he's one that I keep removing because people keep talking about um, United's... And I, I'm looking at them and I'm like, I can live without a, without a defender for a little bit, without Luke Shaw, and then come back to him when United fixtures even get even better. But then you look at his ownership and you think, oh, half of United fans will own him anyway. You know, so... It's, but, 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 but I love him as a player, and I don't think he is overrated as a player. I think, yeah, I, I can see what you mean. Uh, for me, maybe Rafinha, again, I see him in every team, and I know why, because I had him at the beginning. But when I look at these fixtures, and I look at, and, and, and maybe I'm just, I don't know, last season he didn't start, he came in and did well. Second season syndrome, I don't know, let's see. Let's see what happens with, with, with Leeds and, and Rafinha, but I don't think I'm going to be starting with him. Nuclear atoms. Sorry for posting a draft question. This is the only time I'm doing this because these are difficult. Uh, will, will it be a big problem spending too much money on the bench? I mean, you're talking to three people who really don't rate the bench. We're not Hesky, bro. <laughs> um, I know just from watching you guys that you probably have the third position is, is, a, is, is, is a dud. And I doubt you have more than 4.5 on the bench. So I think all three of us prefer money on the pitch. Right? Am I right in saying that? Completely. Yeah. 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 Can I cover Bruno with Cavani for reports? Uh, I only wants to switch to a 4-3-3, leaving Bruno not being a, a CM. Now, listen, Cavani is not even back in training yet. From what I understand, he's back soon, him and Sancho. PJ, quickly touching on United, because you, you, you are our United correspondent. Is this true about a four-three-three? Um, I, I think it's certainly got mileage. Um, it, it's hard to say because obviously our last two friendlies haven't happened because of this kind of COVID scare, and like you said, a lot of our players are kind of late back to training. So um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick Cavani. I don't think he'll start week one. I think um, and it, you know, it doesn't look like Sancho will likely start week one either, um, uh, given he's. I don't know, wandering around the country uh, before we, um, you know, invite him to actually kind of start training with us. So I, I think Bruno, who came back promptly a week early because he's just an absolute workaholic, is is going to start. And Pogba's been there all week as well. So I think we will see probably Bruno, Martial, Greenwood and um, uh, what's the other one? Pogba. Yeah, sorry, Pogba is the kind of front four with um, with McFred in behind in that Leeds game would be my guess at this stage. There you go. And if it doesn't happen, you can blame <laughs> PJ. <laughs> uh, right, Benny Blanco, Benny underscore Blanco 40, uh, probably the number one joker on Twitter. Maybe Craig Digger will disagree with that. I don't know. Nobody, and I mean nobody, seems to be talking about Trossard as a pick. I feel like the lone voice in a black hole gently muttering his name. Anyone at all think he's a solid option? Thanks, guys. I think he's talking to you, PJ. I think we know how you feel. I think I think uh, he's I think he's rubbish, and Benny's just exposed <laughs> himself as an absolute idiot with this question. Uh, Hillary was. <laughs> Benny's going fucking massive tonight. Um, uh, did you see his English? Bit? Yeah, the Mings. Uh, yeah, Mings yeah. yeah, yeah. Very good. I Finally, think, he's been uh, waiting his whole life for that. You know, so fair play to him. <laughs> Hillary Wilds at Hillary Wilds is no Bruno and no Kane too risky. Hillary, 
You're a hero if you do that. Uh, FPL underscore Rockstar. Gosh, we, we are questions coming in from all the, the Twitter uh, legends. At FPL underscore Rockstar, any tips on how to defend a head-to-head league title? <laughs> Mr. Rock, Mr. Rockstar with a humble brag himself. The, the guy deals deals in the currency of humble brag, and, and we have to respect that until we until we knock him off that perch he's on. Absolutely, but, congratulations you know, on winning the head-to-head league. What can you do? Yeah, Jacob... I mean, to be fair, if any of us had won it, right? I think we'd be much worse. Than I mean, PJ came third, and he talks like he won it. I mean, it felt like a win after my season. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I, I feel really glad that I was on top of the leaderboard for so long towards the end. <laughs> I mean, it was it's genuinely still a mystery to me how it was a case of me and PJ in major contention to win anything at all <laughs> that season. True. Jacob McCullough. I apologise if it's wrong. At Speedheart XX, how much should we look into City's opening fixtures? Feels weird having no City defenders when they have the best defensive record in recent years. Guys, are we all making a huge mistake? Because I looked at some drafts with Stones, Diaz. Are we making a mistake? Because we'll probably just go back to them without tails between our, our legs. Or do we think at the beginning we can live without City? I mean, I think <laughs> I think PJ will proved correct from his earlier statement regarding Luca Dean in that we will all look back in reflection and wonder why on earth we decided to go with him, a massive torturer that he is, instead of, say, a, a Stones or a Diaz. Mm. Probably going to be correct. Are we going to do that? Probably yes, anyway, despite knowing the path that we're on. Stones had that against Norwich incoming for Randy yeah. to give us a classic rant again. Uh, Oreo RM at Oreo RM is Kylie considering Dominic Cavett Lewin? Love the pod, guys. Thank you, Kylie. Quickly, are you considering Dominic? (laughs) I made an agreement with myself uh, that I am not going to hold a grudge. Uh, Well, there are some grudges, but only when justified. Okay, Um, Trossard is justified. (laughs) Calvert-Lewin, I did not own at all last season. I have decided to move on from that. We've had enough enough distance. Um, and although my PTSD is undiagnosed and has been left untreated, I think the space has given me enough, you know. I, so it's I, a yes. <laughs> however, he has not actually been in any of my drafts. But I'm not ruling him out over the course of the season, is what I'm saying. So. Fair. Uh, FBL Rubberducky at FBL underscore Rubberducky. Why do we do this to ourselves? I mean, we love it. Some of us are addicted. For me, it makes the Premier League a bit more interesting to watch some games that I wouldn't usually watch. Anything else? Uh, I, mean, I, I just, I, I don't know how to answer the question. I don't know why I do it ultimately. So. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I did. Cheek. <laughs> uh, I don't know either. FPL Simon at FPL underscore Simon432. Should I just go for a differential team this season for a giggle? Tired of seeing template teams? Yes, Simon. If you really don't care, go for a differential team. Absolutely. Why not? Please um, do. Please do. Week one. I love I love seeing my um, my mates' mini-league teams because they bear no resemblance to the Twitter template whatsoever. Yeah, they've got, they've exactly. got Valiang as captain and sort of stuff like this. And there is nothing to say at all 
that those teams will not perform extremely well weeks one, two, and three. The skill is getting to that kind of template, um, you know, kind of early enough that you can then kind of capitalize on it. Game week one is, is uh, you know, I don't care where you fall on the luck or skill spectrum. Everyone would admit that game week one is the luckiest week of the season in terms of how I mean, often you start. Last, last season, game week one, was it not game week one where uh, William got three assists? Yeah, yeah, three assists. Yeah. Yeah. And there was someone in uh, my aunt, actually, uh, she had William in her team. And I remember seeing that and thinking, what on earth has she done there? And um, then she got three assists and various other things. And she had an absolute blinder of a week. So you just then people brought him in and he did nothing since. Yeah. I mean, we sit here and we, you know, comment on how mad some things seem to be, but anything can happen in that first week. We just don't know. True, true. Uh, last but not least, a special question. It, it, it's painful to read, but I will read it anyway. From a guy called Don at Natural Man CC. Of obviously the Don. Long time talker, first time listener here. As much as Ballsy Game Week 1 team looks great, nobody wants to go to get off to a bad start in this ever more competitive FPL world. So how many sub-15, 20% owned players are you all likely to have in your starting lineups for the big KO? Uh, we touched a lot about OR, but it's always nice to have that one one or two differentials. Do you, do you guys have a rule of how many you would let you would have, or do you just pick the players that you like and then look at the o- ownership afterwards? I don't look at ownership. Um, I mean, I obviously factor it into a degree in that I know that, that you know, Bruno and Salah and Trent will be highly owned. Um, but I will usually, I, I will go for the plays that I want. Incidentally, there, there would usually be one or two that are slightly differential anyway, mm. um, as I don't want it to be identical to everyone else's. I think that happens organically. Um, mm-hmm. I, I tend to pick the players that I like, and then if there's a 50-50, it might sway me if their ownership is ridiculously different. So a 40% versus a 10%. The way I look at it is if the 10% bangs, it's not going to hurt me as much as the 40%. So I might go for the 40% to be safe. Not all the time, which is why I'm considering Amares, for example. What about you, PJ? Yeah, it's not something I pay a a lot of attention to, but, but I certainly keep an eye on it. I think my kind of like eight... Eight to eleven kind of ratio, which I've which I've said earlier in the pod is, is is true here in terms of the, you know, I want kind of eight of that kind of squad who who probably have you know above kind of fifteen kind of twenty percent ownership just to kind of protect myself from the start. But I'll always have a low owned keeper because I always always without fail go for a promoted um, goalkeeper um, because I just think um, I go for a promoted goalkeeper with the best earlier fixtures is why I'm on, on Backman and Foster as an 8.5 million kind of double up he, he's by far the pick of a promoted keeper and he's still only owned by 3% um, mm. you know the, the casuals of all the positions the kind of like wider community and the wider players and um, definitely pick more premium goalkeepers than the kind of Twitter community my, my kind of 8th my seventh, seventh or eighth attacker, depending on what formation you play, will definitely be, you know, a, a bit of a pun. You know, I don't want to call mm. it, you know, a kind of trossard role. But ultimately, I will probably start the season with nine of the same eleven as most of the boring fuckers on Twitter. But <laughs> the other two players will be very likely completely batshit, and that will be my my way of coping. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's all we we have time for. Back over to you, Kylie. Oh, that sounds weird. I'm used to saying back to back over to you, Don. <laughs> back over to you, Kylie. I'm sorry. I would try and put on a, a deeper voice and a Galway accent, but I'm <laughs> sure that would be quite horrifying. So I will not do that. Um, okay, so <laughs> no point talking about game week plans as such because we're all finessing teams. Um, quick question. Is anybody not captaining Salah in that Norwich game? I believe I believe PJ isn't. Yeah. I'm Unless he's changed his mind. Go Barkley again. <laughs> Can we just drop Barkley? Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I think I'll probably be captaining Bruno. Yeah. Well, I definitely will, as it stands, unless there's some information that kind of changes that. Um, I've just been really impressed by the way he's come back. Um, kind of kind of pre-season. I think he'll still be our most important player. Uh, I expect the Leeds game to be very open. I know a lot of people have quoted Leeds' impressive defensive figures at the back end of the season, but it's a new season, it's the start of a new season. Um, I, I think it's a massive derby that the Man United and Leeds fans have been waiting for, for, you know, within the best part of 20 years. It is not going to be a nil-nil dirge fest. I just, you know, you know, I could be wrong. Football's all about opinions at the end of the day, but I expect that to be an open game with a lot of goals. And I, you know, I want to captain Fernandez, and I want to captain him more because he'll be the lesser owned of the two. I'll own Salah, you know. Okay, yeah, people, people <laughs> will captain love, him. I love it. You know what I love is you, you went on about saying how you are not going to be too different. You were too different <laughs> last year. Now I'm going to captain him because he's going to be way less than Salah. But no, like, it's not like I'm captaining <laughs> Trossard or you know or Wilson. <laughs> He had to come back early. He is the manager. He had to come back early. Yeah, yeah, very team. true, very true. <laughs> There's obligations. Very true. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, I figured as much. Um, but, I mean, I think that that is the thing, you know, for people who are maybe going a little bit, I hesitate to say renegade, feels a bit strong in this instance. But if you're going against Salah, then, it, you know, I think Trent will be the other one who I think might be quite popular. I think those three, I'd be surprised to see anyone, any kind of the the established guard putting the armband on anyone other than Trent, Bruno or Salah, I'd have to say. But people will, obviously. You know, like I said, my mate's captain of Ballyang against Brentford because, you know, he looks at a big player against a promoted team. And, you know, we have quite an inflated view of Brentford on Twitter. But um, amongst the, certainly a lot of people I know, they're just like, you know, no, maybe I'll get battered. So, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. So. All right, then. Well, that's all that we've got time for on tonight's show, the first of the new season. We have been Kylie, who you can find at Kylie SPL, Mars, who you can find at Mars05, and PJ, who you can find at Monkey. Make sure you're following our group account on Twitter at Three Amigos FPL. And as always, thanks for listening and your continued support. Adios, amigos. One for each other and all for one. The three brave amigos are we. Brother to brother and everyone. A brave amigo we.